Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of College and Kombucha. Uh, For those of you who are just joining us, my name is Walter, and I'm glad you could tune in and listen to this week's conversation. Um, So before I introduce my guest for this week, um, I mentioned this in the episode uh, at the start of our conversation, um, but I feel the need to reiterate um, that we did record this in the library in one of the study rooms. And it's funny because I think my concern was that um, it was going to be a little bit echoey. Um, It wasn't, but of course, uh, in the middle of our conversation, uh, we kind of got interrupted by a group of people who had our study room reserved. And luckily, it was a group of our friends, and it wasn't just a random group of strangers who wouldn't have been as gracious as they were. So um, yeah, you're you're going to hear um, that interruption in maybe like at the 40 minute mark. But um, just like all of the other disclaimers that I make, it shouldn't take away from the rest of our conversation. Um, so yeah, this week I have Camille and I've known Camille uh, for a couple of years now, for a number of years. Uh, we went to school together. We met each other um, through our on-campus ministry that we were both a part of. And the reason why I wanted to have Camille on the podcast was because um, she was an engineering major. She was a woman in engineering. And on top of that, she was a woman of color in engineering. And so I just wanted to get her perspective of what it was like and what her experience was um, as she had gone through a field that was predominantly male, um, and if she encountered any uh, microaggressions or anything like that. And we did have a a really good conversation about that. Um, And on top of that, we just talked about her higher education experience. Um, Something that I learned recently was that she immigrated here to the United States when she was about four or five years old. And so we got to talk about her experience as a child coming to a new country and just um, her experiences as she was going through that transition and just how her own experiences in school were different than people who were born here. Um, so yeah, we talked about that. We talked about the Enneagram for a little bit. And uh, you're going to notice very quickly that um, she just has a very eloquent way of speaking and she's uh, very well-spoken. And that becomes especially evident uh, with her final thoughts um, at the end of this episode. So yeah, um, I guess that's enough of me rambling. Um, so I hope you enjoy this episode with Camille. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Good. How about you? Pretty good. I just got off work, Mm. just like you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I feel like I always have to disclose something at the beginning of every single episode. Mm -hmm. But um, we, for anyone who's listening, we are recording this at uh, or in a study room at Cal Poly in one of the libraries. So. It might sound a little bit echoey, but hopefully that doesn't take away from the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, hi, Camille. Hi. Hey, <laughs> um, hi. So we have uh, this kombucha here. Um, you were just saying that you've never had 
this brand or this mm -hmm. flavor? Yeah. Okay. So I've never had better booch. Um, and this is so cute. Like, I love the packaging. It's yeah. so pretty. Yeah. But you are a drinker of kombucha, right? I do. I love kombucha. Yeah? But kombucha was ruined for me, I think, like, two weeks ago because one of my coworkers brewed his own kombucha. <sighs> And it was dragon fruit. Uh-huh. Um, and it's literally the best kombucha I've ever tasted. And so... Oh, wait, your co-workers my... was the best kombucha you've ever mm -hmm. tasted. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was going somewhere else. No, not <laughs> negative, but it just, like, ruined all other flavors I've tried thus far. Because oh. it was so good. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say, because everyone who's been, uh, like, suggesting... Uh, or I've been, because I've been posting on like Instagram and stuff, mm -hmm. like every time I buy it and like kind of complaining how expensive it is, mm -hmm. everyone's always like, you should just brew your own. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a little bit scary for me, honestly, yeah. because uh, I don't want to like ruin people's stomachs. <laughs> yeah, it was a little scary, like knowing what goes into kombucha, mm -hmm. but it was good. I'm still alive. Good. You're yeah. still here. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But before that, what was your favorite flavor? Ooh, I think it was the apple from Health Aid. Pink Lady Apple? Yes. Oh, so that is Reese's favorite flavor. Mm. It, and it was mine. And then I tried a different flavor of theirs. Um, and my favorite flavor is Maca Berry Ooh. from Health Aid. Okay. But yeah, that yeah. brand is solid. But yeah, right now we have Better Booch. And the flavor is Morning Glory. Um, and it just says peach and black tea. Yummy. So, yeah. Okay, cheers. cheers. What mm. do you think? What are your thoughts? I feel like you're a kombucha connoisseur. No, I'm not. But it tastes <laughs> like the dragon fruit one. Oh, yeah? That my coworker made. So this is really good. Yeah? Okay, <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you like it. Um, yeah, feel free to just keep sipping on that. Um, as Will we do. talk. Um, but if not, that's fine too. I won't get offended. Okay. Yeah, Thanks. but I guess we can just jump into our conversation here. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking yesterday about like personality tests and like Enneagram and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So um, I guess like what got you started or interested in like the Enneagram? The Enneagram? Yeah. Well, it was, I think it was my roommates. So last year, um, for my last years in college, I lived in a house with five other girls. Mm -hmm. And my roommate, the girl that I shared a room with, Amanda, she was super big into to the Enneagram. And then mm -hmm. um, one of my best friends, Sarah, was into the Enneagram. And then another one of my roommates, Imani, mm -hmm. was into the Enneagram. And they were like, Camille, like this is life-changing. Mm -hmm. It helps you figure out who you are. It helps you figure out relationships, um, like friendships and stuff like that and I was like huh okay like I'm kind of having an identity crisis right now let me <laughs> learn um yeah I wonder what this test will say about me mm -hmm. and at first the test typed me as a three so it's okay. the achiever okay um and apparently the achiever is like very driven very goal oriented and it's hard for threes to really be in tune with their emotions um, so I think like the 75% of the three, um, description was very accurate to me, but mm -hmm. the whole, like, it's hard for them to be in tune with their emotions was so far off because I, I feel like you feel things hard. Yeah. I feel things hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then my roommates who were like super into it, like kind of broke it down and like figured out, no, I'm actually a four, a four wing three. Okay. Um, 
yeah so that was very interesting and then when i finally read what the four was and they're like very emotional people like Mm -hmm. they are just attracted to beauty um and want to cultivate beauty in like every space of their life and i was like yeah that's totally me i think um yeah and it's like really funny because now i'm dating a three okay he is He's a hard three, and I'm a hard four. So it's just, like, interesting seeing the differences and, like, Mm -hmm. huh, I wonder why I first typed as a three. But, yeah. So officially you're a four. You're a four-wing three. Yes, four-wing three. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm a four-wing five. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I, I think the Enneagram is like way more, or at least I've been told, and I think I agree that the Enneagram is a little bit more accurate and telling than like a Myers-Briggs. Because mm-hmm. um, I used to be like super into like Myers-Briggs too. Because mm-hmm. when I read my description for the Myers-Briggs, which is, mine is an INFJ. Mm-hmm. Um, when I read that, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's 100% me. Mm-hmm. And then when I took the Enneagram test, I'm like, wait, this is like, I feel so seen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And I was talking to, um, do you know Brie? Parrish? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I know she was, or she is super into it. And mm-hmm. like, we were having a conversation about this a couple weeks ago. And it's very funny when we were talking about it because I was, we were just like, you know, starting a podcast where I interview people is like the most four wing five thing <laughs> that I could ever do. That's amazing. Yeah, because like fours are in the individualist. So mm-hmm. we kind of thrive on being unique. Yeah. And uh, I've been told that the four wing five is like the rarest of all the Enneagram types. Mm -hmm. So it. You thrive (laughs) off of that too. I do so hard. And then, like I said, I'm an INFJ, which is the rarest of the Myers Briggs. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I was telling you yesterday, I'm basically a unicorn. Mm -hmm. But. Unicorn of unicorns. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, this is not an Enneagram podcast or like Mm a. like a personality type podcast, mm-hmm. um, but this is a higher education podcast. Yeah. But um, I wanted to go back a little bit further with you um, before, like higher education in mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I found out about you recently is that you are not originally from the United States. Yeah, I was born in the Philippines. Okay. Um, I was born in Malaybalay, Bukidnon. Okay which is way down south, um, and my dad was an American citizen, or he was, he's Filipino, both of my parents are Filipino, mm-hmm. but he was an American citizen at the time, so technically when I was born, you were born an American I was born citizen. an American citizen, mm-hmm. but in the Philippines, um, but yeah, I moved to America when I was like four and a half, almost okay. five, yeah. Okay, so um, do you have a lot of memories from those first four or five years in the Philippines, or like... Um, any memories immigrating here and that mm. transition? Um, honestly, I like it's kind of weird, but my most vivid memory from the Philippines is when 9-11 happened. Um, oh. Because 9-11 happened a few months prior to when we moved to America. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't put that together. Yeah. That's so, crazy. It happened, 9-11 happened September 2001, Uh and I think we moved to America in, like, March or April of 2002. Okay. So, yeah, I remember, like, going through the motions of moving, like, my mom was starting to pack, and, like, Mm -hmm. she was getting me into this mindset of, we're moving to America so that we can be with your dad. 
Um, and I remember like walking into the living room and seeing the Twin Towers on the screen. And my mom was crying and I was like, what's going on? Like, is everything okay? And she told me about what had happened. And I was like, is that anywhere near Irvine? Because Irvine was where my dad was mm. living at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, like, it's really far. But, like, lots of other kids lost their dads. Yeah. And, yeah. And then um, I remember, like, a few months later going on the plane. And I remember security being so tight. Okay. Um, just like constantly being checked and like I remember going through it was probably TSA but I remember just like seeing families like pulled out of line and getting questioned wow yeah like those are my most vivid memories um and like I'll remember things about the farm that we lived on Mm -hmm. and my cousins but yeah that 9-11 thing is crazy mm-hmm. because I everyone always says, um, like a lot of older people who have traveled before 2001, um, they've always kind of said that like security um, really tightened up after that. Mm-hmm. But for me, the first time I traveled was like in 2002. So mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. kind of all I've ever known. Yeah. Like when I travel now, like security yeah, is pretty tight. Yeah. But um it must have been pretty intense, like, traveling, like, around closer to that time, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have known, you know, mm-hmm. like, the difference, but... Right. Yeah, I just remember, like, tugging on my dad's shirt and being like, why are they being pulled out? Or mm-hmm. why is he being pulled out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But um, back to your family. So your dad mm-hmm. was already here? Yeah. Okay. What was he doing here? Um. So, actually, my grandparents on my dad's side had moved to America first in Mm. about 1980, I want to say. Um, And my dad had moved with them, but then he came back to the Philippines um, where he met my mom um, in college. Mm -hmm. So they met, um, but when they first started dating, like she already knew if I'm going to marry this guy, it means going to America. yeah, so I, I don't know if my dad was an American citizen when he was in college, um, but yeah, so he, after my mom and him got married, I think he stayed in the Philippines for like a year. Mm-hmm. Or Actually, no, no, no. He, um, after they got married, like two weeks after their honeymoon, he went back to America. Mm. And then a month after, my mom called him and was like, I can't like live life without you. Please come mm-hmm. back. So he stayed in the Philippines for about a year, and then I was born, and then he was like, I have to go back to America, like, uh, we we need to give our child the American dream, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah, so um, after I was born, like, he would, he like, he lived in America, but he would visit every six months or so, mm-hmm. um, while we would wait for my mom's papers to get transferred and it took about five years with, yeah. So, um, by the time I was four and a half, that's when her papers were processed Mm -hmm. and it was finally like, okay, we can go move to America. Wow. Do you remember any of that transition as a child at all? Mm, I remember, I remember it being such a gift to see my dad, Mm -hmm. which um, nowadays, like I've, I mean, I've lived in the same house as my dad for the past 17 years. Now, 
like it sucks to say but I now take that for granted mm-hmm. but um, every time I remember like wow it used to be such a gift and such like a rarity to see my father mm-hmm. um, I don't know just like makes me teary eyed and sad yeah. like oh my gosh like that used to be my reality mm-hmm. how about in uh, like school and stuff and like making friends do you think mm-hmm. that was a difficult transition or was there like no transition at all because you said you were four and a half Mm-hmm. when you moved here so not quite in school yet yeah um so actually i had started school already when i was in the philippines mm-hmm. um because my parents wanted me to learn english so they mm-hmm. put me in it was like a christian private school mm-hmm. um yeah but when i came to america they put me into another christian private school but i think like the is it the money gap i guess um or just like okay so i'm a kid whose family just immigrated here. Mm-hmm. We barely have any money, but they're putting me through private school and I'm with kids whose parents have a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you could tell there was this big gap. And like even in the clothes I would wear, mm-hmm. um, like I always wore clothes from a thrift store, mm-hmm. um, whereas they always had the cutest like Bobby Jack t-shirts mm-hmm. and um, my parents couldn't afford that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was a, it was tough. Um, making friends and I don't know if you've heard of like the lunchbox what is it the lunchbox phenomenon I don't know I think I have an idea of what that is yeah um I've never heard that name before but I think I know what that is yeah it's like the lunchbox something where um kids who usually like kids of immigrants um will bring something to school for lunch and it smells different from anything else that Mm -hmm the other students have smelled before Mm -hmm. and you'll be ridiculed and like made fun of for what you bring to lunch but it's but it was like but this is what I eat every day like this is home this is Mm -hmm. this is my comfort food but you're making fun of it and so I just remember those times and that was hard yeah my sister has definitely gone through that for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. um she she was born here um but my my parents uh, were not. And so when Mm -hmm. she was a kid in school, um, I've heard this story from her a few times, and I think probably from my parents, but um, I think she was like in first grade or something. She had brought like fish or something Mm -hmm. for lunch. And Mm -hmm. then she vividly remembers like a kid going like, ew, what's that? Or like Mm -hmm. that smells. And then she went home feeling so bad. And then my parents felt really, really bad too. And that's kind of, like soul crushing mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. and I think I I almost feel a little bit guilty not having to go through that but at the mm-hmm. same time a little mm-hmm. bit uh relieved that I didn't have to go through that mm-hmm. um but yeah that's something that you went through mm-hmm. how about your younger sister my younger sister um so my younger sister I think started public school when she hit first grade Mm -hmm. or second grade um but the schools that she went through there was a lot of ethnic diversity Mm. so i don't think she experienced that Mm -hmm. um i didn't get to public school until third grade Mm -hmm. um so third grade was when i was in a school with a lot of of ethnic diversity Mm -hmm. um 
And I think that, yeah, that's when, like, the lunchbox thing stopped happening. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know if my sister ever experienced it. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think, like, in my case, I think my parents kind of already knew, like, Mm -hmm. we don't want him to be made fun of, Mm -hmm. which kind of sucks. But we still still ate Filipino food at Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, like, in school, it was always, like, Hot Pockets or, like, Mm -hmm. sandwiches Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I guess, like, fast-forwarding now um, from then to high school Mm. um, and then your decision to pursue college, um, what what were some of the influences behind that? Influences? Well, I think college, not going to college was never an option. Mm -hmm. Um, It was always drilled in me, like, your goal in being in school right now is to get to college, to get a degree, to make a ton of money after you graduate, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, just be able to fend for yourself. Um, And that was coming from your parents? Yeah, my parents, my grandparents, my Mm -hmm. aunts, everyone around me. Mm -hmm. The community, we were at, like our church community, because yeah, uh, my parents' church community is all Filipino, and so... Oh, okay. Yeah, you just have a ton of, I mean, so some families had kids older than I did, and so mm-hmm. growing up, it was always, oh, look at what um, Kelly got into UCR, and now she's, I think she was like doing biomed, or now mm. she's doing neuro- neuroscience, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, look at her, um, and then just as Asians do, they compare a lot yeah. to motivate their kids, mm-hmm. um, and so it was like, okay, Now, when you get to college, you have to get into a school that compares to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So college was always the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as for influence, um, my parents sat me down and they were like, we're only paying for you to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Mm -hmm. And I hated politics. I hated... um, I hated science, so I was not going to be a doctor. And I was like, I'm kind of good at math. So, (laughs) oh, and my grandfather was an engineer, so Mm -hmm. I guess I'll choose engineering. Mm -hmm. But I literally had no idea that engineering had so many different disciplines. Mm -hmm. Like at each school I applied to, I applied for a different discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really do research on what the different disciplines entailed. Mm -hmm. I literally just picked a different one. Like it... UCI, I think, was for civil engineering. Mm -hmm. Cal State Fullerton was mechanical. Um, UC San Diego was electrical. And then (laughs) when I got accepted to Cal Poly, it was for electromechanical engineering. And I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was honestly by God's grace, by Mm -hmm. luck and by chance that um, I ended up at Cal Poly Uh with the degree. That I did. Yeah, and you stuck with it all four years. I did. That's crazy that you kind of just like, it's almost like throwing a dart at a map <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where you're like, well, that's what I'm doing now. And then like yeah. you actually stuck with it too. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I'm like drawing like parallels between either your experience and my experience or your experience and my sister's experience mm. for sure because my sister is, she's older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are children of immigrants, but I think she kind of also had to figure it out partly on her own. 
Um, and I think she did something similar where not necessarily she didn't apply to a different discipline of engineering, um, but I think she said something like um, the reason why she chose the engineering that she did. She was a chemical engineering major oh, wow. here um, at Cal Poly. So I think she said the reason why she chose chemical engineering was because it was like one of the first ones on the list or something <laughs> like that. And so she was and yeah. she was like, yeah, like, um. I was, she took AP chemistry in uh-huh. high school, and so she was like, sure, I'll, I'll go with oh that. Oh my gosh. Why not? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but did your parents have any kind of idea of, like, how the American higher education system worked, and did they try to help you with, mm-hmm. like, FAFSA and, like, college applications and stuff like that? Um, so they got a lot of input from the families who had kids older than I did, and mm-hmm. so they had a pretty good idea. They knew what um, SAT classes to put me through. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew what the process looked like. Um, but, yeah, I was pretty much just left on my own to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a lot of, Camille, just Google it. Like, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you have the internet. We didn't have the internet mm. when we were applying for college, so you just... You do it on your own. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, cool, <laughs> thanks. So your parents are college educated. Yeah. But in the Philippines, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, mine are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also not to say, I feel like I've said this a million times, but that's not to say that my parents weren't any help because mm-hmm. they definitely were. Yeah. Um, especially with me being the younger sibling because mm-hmm. they had a little bit more of an idea of like what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me personally, I didn't go on any sort of like college tour mm-hmm. Um my sister went to Cal Poly, so I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going there too. Mm-hmm. And my sister pursued engineering, and so I'm like, if she did it, I'm going to do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it was kind of like a figure it out as you go kind of yeah. thing. Like, in high school, I didn't even think to submit my SAT scores to the colleges that I applied to. So I almost didn't get in anywhere. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so scary. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think I submitted them literally like the day before, like the day that they were due. And then I ended up getting into here and Sac State. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason why I didn't get into slow was because I didn't submit my SAT scores. But I didn't want to go there anyway. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So... You, you kind of uh, answered the question of um, why you chose your major. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of just like throwing a dart at a map mm-hmm, kind of definitely. thing. Um, but did you get into any of the other colleges that you applied to? I did. I got okay. into a lot of them. Um, so like UC San Diego, mm-hmm. um, UCI, Cal State Fullerton, Cal State Long Beach. Mm-hmm. The only one I didn't get into was UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, But that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So then why did you choose CPP, Cal Poly? Um, uh, One of my dad's closest friends was an engineer for Raytheon. Mm -hmm. And he always had really good things to say about Cal Poly and their program. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I visited Cal Poly for like an engineer's tour... Mm -hmm. um, there's just something about it, something mm. about the trees and the horses mm-hmm. and all the greenery 
um, I remember visiting it and thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to go here mm -hmm. and not giving a second thought to any anywhere else. Mm. So. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is a, it's a very nice campus mm -hmm. that is always under construction, it seems yeah. like. Um, yeah. I think since I've been here, there's never been a year where there hasn't been construction mm -hmm. here. Yeah, it's a kind of a bummer. Yeah, That's but okay. um, all of the schools that you brought up, I noticed, are all in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Did you think to apply to like Northern California schools or anywhere else in the United States? Uh, I think it was a thought, mm -hmm. but my mom was like, no, <laughs> please stay close to home. Okay. And I was like, okay. And um, I mean, sorry, I didn't really think about what it would look like to live far away from home. Mm -hmm. Applying for college, I knew was a necessary thing to do and getting into college was a necessary thing to do, but I never really thought about the implications of what going away to college mm -hmm. meant mm -hmm. or I didn't even know the Claremont colleges existed mm -hmm. until I came to Cal Poly Pomona. I didn't right. know, I didn't really know about like the private university system mm -hmm. until later on in the application process, but yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so then what made you stick with engineering then? Like what attracted you to it? Were you, was it kind of just like, I actually really enjoy this? Or was it like, I made a decision and I'm going to stick with it? Um, I think it was the four in me, the individualist mm. of, I want to stick out. I'm going to be a girl in this major mm -hmm. and it's cool mm -hmm. to be. <laughs> It's cool to be a female engineer. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know what else I would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So part of it was like, I want to be an individual. And then the rest of it was like, I literally have no idea <laughs> what else I want to do with my life. So I'll just stick to it. Yeah. And, and it worked out. Yeah. And I figure if you're doing like reasonably well in your mm -hmm. classes, you're kind of just like, well, why wouldn't I stick mm -hmm. with this? Right. Yeah. Um, and I th you uh, kind of seamlessly transitioned into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, mm -hmm. which is being a female engineer mm -hmm. and like being in a field that is predominantly male, mm -hmm. um, especially with your discipline of engineering. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So um, did you... First, did you know that going into your specific major, that it was going to be predominantly male? Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. And you were still super motivated to pursue it anyway. Yeah. Um, Not that you shouldn't be like discouraged, <laughs> but... Yeah, I think, like, honestly, when I was in high school, it was really hard for me to pursue female friendships, mm -hmm. um, just because I think I've always done competitions I've always done piano competitions mm -hmm. um, I think Asian the Asian culture always or the, yeah it cultivates um, a mentality of competition and so with that mentality it was hard to not want to compete with my friends mm -hmm. um, it was hard to not feel like I had to be better than the girl next to me mm -hmm. um, so going into engineering it was like okay like I just I will stand out much more easily, I guess, um, because there aren't a lot of girls there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Specifically, uh, females of color, I don't think, either. Hmm. 
right? Um, well, I think Cal Poly is just so diverse mm-hmm. yeah. um, that people of color were the majority yeah. in the classes. That makes sense. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then once you got into um, your engineering classes, um, and once you started going into your curriculum, was there... Like, was, was the experience, as far as being a female in an engineering field, was it what you expected it to be? Or were there certain things that you're like, hmm, I was not expecting that to happen or that person mm-hmm. to say that thing? Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of females who go into engineering um, try to take on traits of their classmates, mm. um, whether it be just like, dressing down like not so I like to dress up and Mm -hmm. I um yeah I love I used to love wearing like purple lipstick and (laughs) I used to dress like a hippie with like my elephant pants from Thailand Mm. and peasant tops and my pink tevas but then in realizing or at least thinking like I don't think people are taking me seriously right now because I look like a rainbow just walked into (laughs) class Mm -hmm. um yeah and so like seeing uh the other girls in my class and how they were dressed they would be dressed in like very muted colors Mm. and very baggy clothing I Mm -hmm. guess and not like form-fitting or anything um which I guess is also part of because, like, everyone's super tired. There's no time to do your makeup or mm-hmm. to look nice. But um, over the course of the four years, I dumbed down my wardrobe quite a bit, mm. bought a ton of black leggings and baggy sweaters. Um, and, yeah, I remember my sophomore year, I got an A on a statics test or something. Um And the guy in front of me turns around and is like, hey, can I see your score? And I was like, sure. And he sees that I got an A and, like, he has been in the statics class, like, twice and has, like, failed it. Uh Um, And he looks at me and says, you only got an A because you're a girl. What the heck? (laughs) There is no correlation. That doesn't make sense. Um, Yeah, that was so strange. It, like, totally caught me off guard. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Sexism is real. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I didn't know how to respond. I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. What the... I think... Did you post something about that? I like did. when that Okay. Because yeah. I do remember something... Like reading something like that mm-hmm. that you posted. Mm-hmm. But like the audacity of some yeah. people, I guess. Like yeah. trying to project your own insecurities on other people. Mm-hmm. Just because you've taken the class twice and mm-hmm. have failed it. And yeah. like this this girl comes in and is smarter than you. But yeah, I... Again, like relating back to my sister's experiences, I should really have her on the podcast. Mm, you totally should. <laughs> yeah. I want to meet her. Yeah, to just like let her tell her story. But... Um, she, she is also, um, she is also female and she is, um, also Filipino, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I think like one of her experiences was that 
it was like not even when school started. It was like an orientation. And like, mind you, she's she's a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, so and she was 16 when she started college. Oh so goodness. she looked like a little Asian girl. <laughs> um, but I think somebody like at the engineering orientation was like, OK, like little girl, you're not going to last here or like something like wow, that. And like she so graduated mm-hmm. with a chemical engineering degree. And it's like that shows you. Mm-hmm. But Definitely. I wonder what that guy is doing now. Me too. I'd like to know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, and I guess like any any other experiences, like what did you, um, I guess like outside of your classes, what did you learn um, as you were going through school, like on a a personal level, I guess, Mm. having gone through all of that? Wow, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think I learned perseverance, mm. diligence. Um, yeah, like what else are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just going through the motions of test after test, especially during the quarter system. And there were days where I'd just be crying, like, not knowing how I'm going to get through this. Like, Mm. I, the voices in your head can get really loud of, like, you're not good enough. You, Mm -hmm. you don't have as much, like, hands-on experience as the people in your classes. Or, like, you don't have the cool internship. You don't have X, Y, and Z. Um, But I just had to learn to fight through it and Mm -hmm. say no like okay god you've given me today and you're telling and there's a test tomorrow so okay just get me through that like i don't know what's going to happen post-graduation i don't even know if i'm going to get a job i i do not know um yeah the that just like this uncertainty of like what am i doing with my life like i'm here Mm -hmm. i'm doing this degree but i literally do not know and i remember um getting fired from my first internship after six months oh geez and not being given an explanation of it was just hey camille like we're giving you your two weeks um and that's it and i was like why and there was no explanation oh wow um and then you know it just like so many questions of am i not good enough like what's wrong with me why are you keeping the the two other interns Mm -hmm. um i'm like the intern that's been here the longest but you're keeping those other two mm-hmm. um yeah so just like a lot of again like a praying of okay god you've given me today and today this happened mm-hmm. um please just get me through tomorrow mm-hmm. um yeah that's crazy that uh you had that mindset like mm-hmm. that young um because like for me i'm I'm kind of like in that season right now Mm -hmm. too and I'm just now starting to learn um like how to take it day by day and let Mm -hmm. God just Mm -hmm. take the day and like lead me however he wants it to go um not that I should be like a litmus test of how people should live their (laughs) life but I it always just blows my mind when people younger than me um or people tell stories of when they were younger and they have like such a mature mindset Mm. um 
when I kind of just feel like I'm still kind of like tumbling around mm -hmm. in the wind, but that's okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. It'll be okay in the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that's really encouraging for sure. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess like looking back now, um, I myself try not to um, regret anything and like I I don't really like it when people ask me this question but I'm gonna ask you anyway but so you said that as you were applying for schools um, you're like engineering is what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna apply to all these different engineering programs and wherever I get into that's what I'm gonna study um, and then you also mentioned that once you came here you didn't realize that oh there are all these other options mm -hmm. too which yeah. I think I went through also mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. similar to you and your upbringing I feel like looking back on my own and when I, it was time for me to start looking at colleges I feel like my only choices were doctor or engineer <laughs> yeah. and so I'm like well I don't want to go to school for like a million years mm -hmm. so I guess I'll become an engineer and like my mm -hmm. sister's an engineer so I guess mm -hmm. I'm gonna do that um, and then I found other like cool things to study um, but with you I think knowing all of the options you have now do you think that you would have chosen something different um, had you known all of the stuff that you know now like something maybe closer related to any other interests mm -hmm. that you have honestly no mm. I think if I had a chance, I would do engineering all over again mm -hmm. and um, be more social and try to get more hands-on experience, but I wouldn't do any other major. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's also encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat, too. Uh -huh. um, I did switch majors, mm -hmm. but I think looking back, um, just, I think more so in hindsight now I can say this, but looking back now, I went, there's a reason obviously why mm -hmm. I went through the things that I did. Yeah. And I think if I had chosen something different, I wouldn't have gone through the same experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it, it took me six years to graduate college, but mm -hmm. there was so much growth in those six years mm -hmm. that I don't think would have happened had I chosen something more liberal artsy mm -hmm. or like something more creative or if I had stuck with math um, since the beginning um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but mm -hmm. yeah I think I'm in the same boat like there's there's so much more growth and learning that happened outside the classroom mm -hmm. for me personally yeah, for sure. than like inside the classroom mm -hmm. and I'm not ever gonna use my degree, but like <laughs> that's totally fine. That is okay. Yeah, but you're using your degree, so that's cool. Kind of, actually. Like, I barely use my degree at work. Really? Yeah. Okay. Say more. I mean, like, I <laughs> am still an engineer. I have a, I so I work for an electric bus company called Proterra, mm -hmm. and I'm a manufacturing engineer. Mm -hmm. um, but my degree was electromechanical, and you'd think that you would use a lot of it, but electromechanical was a lot of just formulas and seeing how electricity flows, whether it's series or parallel, um, or just um, doing statics or dynamics, mm -hmm. but my job is very hands-on. It's a lot, working with a lot of manufacturing processes. Okay. Um, so it's learning what tools should be used to assemble this. Mm -hmm. It's um, I think the only thing that I really use are um, 
like how to read schematics, mm -hmm. electrical schematics, and um, lean, uh, like a lean class I took, mm -hmm. um, which wasn't even in my my core major. It was an elective, mm. and so yeah, there's been just a steep learning curve at work because my degree is so far from what I'm actually doing. Mm -hmm. um, that's been terrifying because it's like, oh my goodness, like if I don't do this right, like this bus is going to break down <laughs> um, and people are going to be in this bus. And so even with this perspective of like lives are on the line. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's been interesting. Yeah. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just never comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to not do engineering mm -hmm. or one of the reasons why it's because like lives are on the line here mm -hmm. um i was civil engineering but i'm oh, like okay. if uh <laughs> something goes wrong this bridge could fall yeah. or this building could not withstand an earthquake and there's mm -hmm. going to be people in those mm -hmm. buildings yeah. and admittedly that's why i chose the environmental option but still i was mm -hmm. just like i don't want to do this anymore mm -hmm. um yeah that's but, fair yeah um, and then I guess like the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, um, outside of, uh, <laughs> I'm like, dis we're distracted right now. There's our friends outside the window. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways. So like outside of, um, the higher education sphere, mm -hmm. you're also a very creative person mm -hmm. and I've read your blog posts and stuff mm. like that, and you're a very good writer. Thank you. You're a talented musician. I guess uh, briefly go over how you um, decided to start like blogging, and mm. um, you mentioned you've been playing piano, and how mm. how have you found a balance between, I guess, like your engineering and scientific mm -hmm. brain and your creative brain? Um, I think. I've honestly been struggling with that these past few weeks of mm -hmm. um, um, each time I really dive into my creative side, I feel like I lose my engineering and technical side. Mm -hmm. And right now, because of work um, and because of lack of time, I've really been digging into my engineering side and therefore I feel like I've been losing the creative in me. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to like write a blog post or write a song in so long. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think like my sophomore and junior year when I was, when I think I was able to have a good balance of both, um, being a creative helped me see a holistic perspective of mm -hmm. engineering, um, especially with music because music has so many different components, so many technical and theoretical components like vibrations of sound or even just music theory. Mm -hmm. um, but these technical things come together to create something beautiful and something mm -hmm. that like really speaks to people's hearts mm -hmm. um and i think it even just bleeds into my faith and how god created this world and it is so technical and theoretical but it comes together and is beautiful and creative and majestic um so yeah, I think like the creative in me and the engineer in me when put together give me a, I think a much deeper understanding of like the beauty and intricacy of mm. God's creation. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I've been like encouraged that whenever I'm in an engineering space, 
to share these creative thoughts with those around me to bring them into like a to hopefully help others see a deeper a, broad, a deeper and broader picture of god mm-hmm. um, and when i'm in the creative space like to do the same thing mm-hmm. um, to help them see the technical i guess mm. I don't know if that answered your question. That did. Okay. And that was very uh, beautifully put, I think. Thank you. And, like, a really good way to end our conversation. Mm-hmm. It was very eloquent. You're very well-spoken. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, that, that answer is everything that I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say that you didn't get to touch on or anything you wanted to plug? Um, I think, like, shameless plug for yeah. people out there especially fours who feel like they don't belong in any space. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been learning that when you don't belong in any space, it's so that you can be a bridge. Because mm. um, I never feel like I fully belong in the engineering world. I never fully feel like I fully belong in the creative world. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be, to be of both worlds so that I can bring the beauty of both worlds to each other. And I think like, so many people experience isolation because they feel like they don't belong in a specific space, but mm-hmm. like you are who you are because God created you to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have something to bring to the table and you have like a different perspective to share with others. So like, don't be afraid of sharing that perspective or mm-hmm. of sharing what you know um, to others who don't know what that is Mm -hmm. um so yeah like be an individual Mm -hmm. it's great it's fantastic um it'll i think it'll teach you humility and teach you to appreciate like it'll just teach you to appreciate others so much more um and it'll teach you to create community Mm -hmm. um, because then you bring different people together to see different things so Mm. That is my encouragement for those who feel lonely mm-hmm. and who feel like they don't belong, like create a space of belonging. So, mm. yeah. Again, like very well spoken, very beautifully said. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again for doing mm-hmm. this. Of course. It was so much fun. And yeah. this kombucha is so yummy. Oh, good. I'm glad. All right. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.